Hey, chef. Welcome back to the show. I'm curious. What kind of restaurant do you want to own? What's the name? What's the groove in the room? How many seats is it? How's the place smell? What kind of concept is it? What kind of food? How does the food taste? Do you see yourself working there all the time? Strapped to the oven because you're scared that maybe someone else will fuck it up? Are you hoping that the concept is going to be so strong that one restaurant won't be enough? That the demand will come that you'll need to expand into two, three, maybe four different restaurants? How are you going to manage those? What kind of team do you have to build? If you've been in the grind for any time, then you probably had these questions going around in your head, maybe on the way home from work when you're tired and you think about how nice it'll be to finally be your own boss and not have to answer to anyone else. It's scary. I know. If you're like me and have had thoughts like this from time to time, then I'm sure you're left with questions. In this episode, I speak with Chef Andy Husbands from Boston, Massachusetts, an acclaimed chef, pit master, and a dear friend. It's great. You, you must have caught me on a good day, though. That's why <laughs> I <so> nice to you. <laughs> I remember some not-so-good days, you know. <laughs> We're going to talk about how he went from fine dining to barbecue and discovered a secret sauce that allowed him to grow his brand into six restaurants. So if you're like me and you want to know how to grow a brand and become master of your own destiny, then this is the episode for you. And we'll get to that and so much more right after these messages. People in this industry, you know what you've got, you know what you've gone through and you know that I've mirrored that in my own path, right? Yes. So and 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 so I think there's always just deep respect for uh yep. people that are doing the same things that we do, which is um I love it. I'm not going to be like boo hoo, we have such a hard job and make a little profit. I'm more like it's an intense job and it's worth it. This is Chef Life Radio, and I'm your host, Chef Adam Lamb. I'm a culinary career coach dedicated to assisting hospitality professionals just like you to enjoy their careers without having to sacrifice their lives. I coach chefs on leadership, communication, culture, and relationship mastery. If you've lost your passion, purpose, or drive, you either want to move up or out, then let's connect. Go to cheflifecoaching.com forward slash discovery. And now let's get to the good stuff. So to catch everybody, Chef Andy Husbands was born and raised in Seattle. He worked at several very high-profile San Francisco restaurants. In 1995, he took a motorcycle ride across the country and fell in love with Boston, where he opened up Tremont 647. And right next to that, uh, in the same location, there was a restaurant slash bar that was named Sister Sorrel. They used to do pajama brunches and Taco Tuesdays and seasonally influenced dinner menu. When I met him, he was at the height of his uh, success in that location. And when he closed Tremont 647 in 2018, he decided that he was going to learn the pit master trade and ended up developing a concept called Smoke Shop Barbecue, which he's grown into six locations all across the metro Boston area. Honestly, we we started doing it, Chris Hart, who's our team leader, and I started doing it because I, I had bought him out as my, he was my partner in my restaurant and I bought right. him out after a year and we were best friends. And, and I think we both missed each other. It was like a divorce and we wanted <laughs> to get back together. And we said, Hey, let's go do that competition. Him and I both love to cook. We both love to compete. Mm-hmm. We also both really love bourbon. So it was like really good, you know, good idea to do. And so we just started doing it. We kind of caught the bug. We, we got, we got clobbered by the way. We got clobbered for five years straight. Really? We, we were arrogant and, you know, thought, oh, we're, we're chefs, we're restaurant people. We know what we're doing. Right. And no, we didn't know anything. 
And, you know, but if the community took us in, I remember that first competition we went to, it rained, our tent fell down. This guy named Uncle Jed's like, come with us. And he took us over to his tent. You know, there's a warm fire, some bourbon, just good conversation. And it was just really good times. And so we, we caught this. It wasn't just the bug of cooking barbecue and eating barbecue. It was okay. the community, I think, that we really latched on to. Right. And, uh, yeah, and often people look at these, especially the, the competitions, and think people are like vagabonds or something in RVs. But when you get to know these people, yeah, some of them are chefs. And some of them just are professional barbecue people. Right. Some of them are lawyers and doctors and plumbers and everything in between. And just people who are passionate about real good food cooked, you know, in, indirectly over fire, right? Or wood or something, right? So that's a, that's yeah. a great, that's a, that's a great uh, description of it. And so you guys decided to keep going down the wormhole. And when did you decide that it would make a great restaurant concept? Well, what happened is we kept going down the wormhole and we eventually got sick of losing and uh, Chris. <laughs> And we we decided to to win, and we had been doing okay. But what we did to win, and I'm going to tell everybody how, because we won the world championships. I should again, Chris Hart led us. I'm not the lead pitmaster on our team, and I write my books with Chris Hart, which I'm sure we'll talk about. So you know, we we practiced. That's how we won. We we did a couple things. We practiced, which is like any sport you got to do, and we 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 used some science. We brought mm-hmm. some science, like meat glue and things like that, which I don't really want right. to get into, but we did some stuff <laughs> like that. And we brought some technology. And we have some MIT kind of people on our team that were able mm-hmm. to kind of create technology that really, the way we monitored stuff and the way we figured stuff out was really kind of cool. It all kind of came together. We started crushing our, our area and then, you know, eventually worked our way up to the Jack and won the Jack in 2009. Now, you're still running a restaurant at this time, right? Yeah, I'm still running my American restaurant, change the menu every two weeks kind of stuff. But I had the restaurant for I had the restaurant for 21 years. Right. But around the year 16, 17, I was bored. I loved my job. And it paid okay and it was, it was right. a good job. But you know, you do the same job, even though the menu changes every two weeks or what have you, new people, it's still the same job in the same restaurant, the same place. And I just bored. And I wanted another challenge. I I I you know this guy, his name is Brian Lesser. We partnered up. We, we started meeting and saying, let's do something together. That, that was what we were going to do. That was the plan. Let's open a multi-unit concept together. That's what we wanted to do. Got it. And we both knew each other. We knew each other's reputations. You know, and we, I, would, I thought I wanted to do an izakaya, a Japanese pub, because I freaking love them. <laughs> the next question anybody should ever ask me is, what do you know about cooking an izakaya? And the answer is nothing. <laughs> And like, as if that's going to stop you. Right. And, you know, chefs are arrogant. Oh, I can do that. But, you know, right. really like barbecue and Japanese. And, and when you really want to get good at something, you really got to immerse yourself in the culture. And Absolutely. I think it would have been, a it would, you know, I'm glad I didn't do it because, I, you know, I mean, I'm sure I would love to immerse myself in the culture and go for something like that. But mm-hmm. my partner looks at me and goes, why aren't we doing barbecue? And I was like, I had never thought about it. Right. And. There's actually a technical reason also, and uh, I, I said, give me a couple of weeks. Let me think about this. So I did some research. I kind of wrote out some menus, looked at other places, and then I started talking to the people at Winston Industries who make CVAPs. Yep. And that was the game changer that I was looking for because the best barbecue I can give you is the barbecue that's been out of my smoker, rested, and I give it to you. That's yep. hands down the best. We all know this. So how do you do the next step? And CVAPs 
are are just a, such a they're they're creative for Kentucky Fried Chicken to keep things crunchy and juicy. Yep. And so that's what you kind of want. You want that bark on the brisket, but you still want it to be juicy. Mm-hmm. And when I started reading about it and learning about it, I went down there and worked with them. I'm like, this is the piece of equipment I need to help me kind of maintain that, you know, that that quality that I wanted. So um, that's kind of how it went. I mean, it was just kind of like, you know, we opened up one in 2016, wild success. And we've opened up about one a year since mm-hmm. then. So, yeah. All in Boston. All in the Boston area. So Somerville, Cambridge, but, you know, within five, six miles of each other. Yeah, I was born in Somerville. And what do you think has been the biggest challenge as you're opening up a restaurant a year and uh, there's a pandemic? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, before the pandemic, um, (laughs) you know, the biggest challenge is I didn't know what the hell I'm doing. And, 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 uh, And I'm really focused on that, that part right now. I'm very convinced that there's many, many chefs like me, men and women, who are in their, say, late 40s, early 50s, who have multiple units. And maybe the same style, right, you know, like I have, or maybe three different restaurants, four different style restaurants. And there comes to be a point where you're not really cooking anymore. You're teaching and and leading, and you don't know all the stuff that business people would know. And that's my challenge right now, you know, is to learn how to grow a team. And I've made some big mistakes while we're growing this thing. And when we got the three units, we actually uh, started to fail, literally. Like we were profitable day one, unit one, profitable day two, unit two. Day two, unit three opened, started losing money everywhere because we wow. can run it back back and forth between one and two. But three, you can't, you can't play zone. And right. so we, and our training was awful. Our follow through was awful. And actually what had to happen is I had to reorg and basically change my entire executive team, the people that were around me. Mm-hmm. You know, like a, a director of ops, you know, culinary director, those people all had to be changed out because they were single unit operators, great people, love them, but replaced by people who know how to run multiple units. Right. Now, arrogant chefs and owners like me, when I was young, laugh at Cheesecake Factory. I wish I had worked there for five years now yeah. because the knowledge that these people have that I work with are it's just unbelievable how they do it. And, and it's more than just, you know, great food. It's really, really about team building and, and, and you know, uh, uh, communication and how we do things and process. You know, it's, it's really fascinating. Um, so and, it's, and great systems. Yeah, really good systems. You know, right. I often say that if I didn't own the place, they'd fire me. Um, <laughs> you know, it's... Uh, get out of our way so we can get done, shit done. Right. I mean, like, at one point I was in the kitchen and I, I jumped in the kitchen and I wanted to help, like put out sides, and but he kind of froze. And the general manager looked at me and goes, Andy, can I talk to you for a second? Told you. I want to talk to him. He's like, you can't be back there. They just walked you out. They don't know you. So that's one of the interesting things is that people don't know me. Where at Tremont 647, they knew me. They knew my passion. I was passionate, right, which I'm no longer. You know, they knew what I expected. They knew that I might go bonkers about something if that happened, you know, but here these people just look at it. That's some dude who owns six restaurants and they right. don't know me. So, which is kind of cool. Cause guess what I get to do? I get to walk around, shake right. hands, goof around with everybody. I see a problem. I write it down on a pad of paper or send an email out and say, I'm seeing this. I'm seeing that. Can you guys just look at it, please? Which is gone great. are the day gone are the days when you would try to actually fix the problem. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Yes. I, though I have a problem today and I'm, I'm, we, we could do some spotter reports 
And I got right. one today and it's a consistent issue that's been happening. And I just, that's my, I really want to just go down there and fix it. Like I want to <laughs> roll down there and fix it, but that won't do any good. It really won't. Right. You know, then I, then I have to be there all the time. Like, right. That's just ridiculous. So you said something that I thought was interesting. You said uh, passionate, but, but no longer. Do you want to talk a little bit more about that? Well, I'm talking about, I'm just phrasing it nicely. I used to be, people would call me intense. You know, I would really focus in on stuff. And look, I wasn't, I wasn't throwing pans or knives at anybody, but I got, you know, I'm a product of an 80s, 90s chefs. And I used to be pretty intense or passionate is a nice way of saying I would yell and scream and stomp my feet like a little baby. Right. And, you know, I'm I'm not proud of that by any means, but I can own it. I certainly can own it. And I know that I'm a better man now. So, you know, so it's just, it's, it's kind of cool. I'm, I'm so very passionate. This is this whole right. thing I love. I love barbecue. Barbecue is the coolest cuisine. I'll tell you why. It is, it is the cuisine of celebration, family gatherings, get togethers. The way mm. to look at it is nobody cooks a brisket for themselves. <laughs> when you cook a, no, I mean, there's crazy right. guys like me that do, but, but when you cook right. a brisket, you, you know what you're doing? 12 hours of love for those people yeah. who are coming over. You just yeah. spent 12 hours cooking something for somebody, you must love them. Like, that's yeah. what that is about. It's so yeah. cool when you think about it. You know, it's not like you came over and threw a burger on. I'm like, no, man, I've been thinking about you since last night. <laughs> that's pretty cool. I mean, that's that's a dedication to a relationship that I didn't necessarily put two and two together with, with barbecue. And the initial poll, like, what was it? One of the, like, was it just your fascination with one of the oldest types of cuisine of the United States that you decided to. Yeah. I mean, I love history. So, you know, barbecue is a cuisine of like heritage and necessity. What was around. That's why, you know, they use mm-hmm. post Oak and mesquite in Texas. Cause that's what's there. Right. That's why they mm-hmm. use peach. Cause that's what's there in, uh, in Georgia. Right. Fun fact. The reason there's gold sauce in South Carolina Right. It's not, it's not because it grows, mustard grows there. It grows in Canada, as everybody knows. It's because a bunch of Germans moved there and brought, brought <laughs> their heritage with them. Really. I mean, that's why, how it came about. It's kind of cool, right? Uh, yeah. I love that stuff. You know, cold slaw used to be fermented. That's why we put vinegar in it to represent mm-hmm. that fermentation. It's flavor. So I love the history, uh, history of it. I, you know, we definitely own a lot to black culture for, for barbecue, which is super cool and interesting. Yep. So I love all that part of it, but I also, you know, I worked at the East Coast Grill for Chris Lessinger for many years. Yep. So live fire is like I'm just fascinated by it. So it's an easy transition to being a working live fire in a grill and working barbecue. And mm-hmm. it's it's what it, what I like about it is I mean now these nowadays you can really dial it in with a lot of like tools and computers and stuff to really mm-hmm. monitor your fire. But I really like and we're dr- we're driving to Kansas City next week. We're dragging a, a smoker with us, and mm-hmm. this has no this has no computers on it. It's like right. open the door a little more, close the door a little bit more, right? And I love that, like kind of hands on cooking, hands on working with it. It's just you know, it's it's like a live band. It's different every time, yep. right? And you have to be completely present. It's not like you can yeah. you know nap on it. I. Uh... Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, I did a uh, I did an event with friend of mine in Fort Lauderdale and was actually in Dallas. So we had to prep everything, put it in the truck, take it all the way over. And the last day was supposed to be this at this dude ranch that had these huge rotary smokers. So we loaded them all up at, at nighttime and set them alight. And we got back the next morning and all of them had gone cold. 
Oh. And none of the and none of the meat was cooked. <laughs> oh. Talk about a nightmare. Anyway, I digress. So, as a chef, accomplished chef, author, in his fifties, <laughs> you know how how's your health? You know how's your energy? Does you feel like keep going? Like, do you see a point where you might want to pull back a little bit? I mean, what are your thoughts? Well, I can't physically do what I used to do, and I know that. But you know that's transition of life. So you won't see me in a kitchen banging out, you know, 12 hours, you know, five days a week. I'll still jump in the kitchen. I still have events I have to do, teach class tomorrow. So I still am very active in boots on the ground. My job is really the future. So I really, that's what I do is I think about the future for the business. My health is great besides my shoulder. You know, I'm running somewhere between, I don't know, 10 and 20 miles a, a week. Wow. So uh, awesome. every morning I'm up early and I go to the gym. I have, you know, I'd also like to mention that along this thing of when I opened my restaurant, mm-hmm. I got married. And congratulations. Uh, and there's a direct correlation of between my success and being married. And I'm telling you to the to this wonderful woman. So having a, a an amazing partner, a strong partner, partner who understands you is 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 very, very important and very for me at least. And along with the, that that wife, uh, we 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 also have. I have five year old twin daughters. Wow! So, congratulations, brother. Thank you. So, <laughs> so I, I have to stay young and I have to stay active. So, you know, and daughters will do that for you. Don't. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's it's great. I couldn't I couldn't be happier. You know. So everything's. I mean, you know what I feel like, and I don't know if a lot of people feel this way that like I do, but I feel feel like you know, effing finally. That's what I feel like in my fifties. Finally, I feel like good about everything i feel mentally strong physically strong like i feel that like it is going the way it should now i think a lot of that has to do with maturity right sure. and just being more comfortable with myself right yep has to do with i drink a fair amount less and i barely drink at all <laughs> you know it has to do with a lot of things right but i just feel like i'm finally hitting my stride and and i, and, and I feel i just feel tickled about it and i'm, I'm honored can you yeah, talk a little so, bit? Can you talk a little bit more about what you mean by there's a direct correlation between success and the quality of your marriage? Yeah, I mean, I just you know for me, I love having a partner who you stand with and you you know you are more than just partners. That like she's my partner in business. You know, even though she's not on the documents, you know, she helps guide me and talks to me about things and helps me see. Right issues in a in a different way you know she has a different approach than than i do mm-hmm. so it's great it's actually when we met she was a a associate publisher of a rather large magazine so mm-hmm. she was actually working more hours than i was which i loved because she was she understood what passion and drive meant and right. so when i do have to do those hours which are rarely these days but i still have to do them now sure. and then you know she's like go get them you know and that's and that's you know Right. And she also had a life of her own, her own career. So it's yeah. not like she's sitting at home waiting for you to show up and say, honey, how was your day? Right. Like there was right, always, right. And do you think that being with her, like it'll, like you felt more comfortable with taking risk? Cause clearly, you know, opening up a restaurant a year is, is not an easy thing to do, especially when you said like year three or restaurant three, you're like, holy shit, what the <laughs> fuck is going on with this? Well, I'm, I'm rather risk adverse which is really great. I have a partner who is extremely risk averse and he handles all the leases. So that, which is the most important part of your business. If you didn't know this, everybody, that's what's the most important part is your lease. It's like the foundation of your house. You don't see it. You don't look at it. You don't even give a 
care about it. But when there's a storm, you're going to be like, hmm, is that foundation going to hold up? And so that's, and then you know, no one ever thinks like, oh, there's going to be a storm because COVID's a storm, right? There's storms coming through. So, so the risk thing, but no, no, because she's, she's very conservative. More so that I just feel confident that, you know, it's good to have somebody with you who understands you and can help you also grow and become a good, you know, a better person. We're always trying to be better people and, you know, you help each other grow, you know, and, right. and, and see things, you know, some of you trust, you know? Yeah. What's her name? Rice. I've written a couple of books, self-published. Of course, that's probably, you know, not, neither here nor there, but you'd be, you, your cookbooks have done very, very well. Mm-hmm. And why did you decide that you wanted to write cookbooks? <laughs> As if you didn't have enough on your plate. Well, my mentor is Chris Schlesinger. And right. So I watched what he did and I wanted to be him. I opened a restaurant like he did. And then I said, okay, now I'm going to write a book. And so I wrote a book. It didn't sell well. The first one I wrote it with Joe Yonan, who's now, I believe the food editor for the Washington post. Great guy. Great book. We're very proud of it. No pictures, bad deal, but you know, you do the work and I think it's important to do the work. And so I did the work and that helped us get another deal. And once you can show you can do the work, people take notice. And it also, you know, helps you get other gigs. You know, you don't make any money in, in, in books unless they sell. And Pitmaster, which is my best-selling book, you know, we do okay with it. You know, it's it's been out for six years now, and it still sells every year. It is a top-rated, you know, barbecue book, and I'm very proud of it. So why do I write books? I, I like to. I like mm-hmm. to teach. Teaching is, I think, an essential part of being a chef, as I know you know. And I I don't know. I just enjoy it. It's things I, I do whatever I want, right? Like if I want to do something, I do it. And it's just, to me, it seems like, like it's, it's a fun process. And now if you've written six, you kind of know the process, you know? Sure. So, yeah. And do you have another book in, in process now, or are you thinking about one? We, Chris Hart and I are thinking about one. I don't want to give it away, but we have some ideas, nope. but it's been a while because look, I've written one, two, three books on barbecue, a book on grilling, a book on burgers, and a book on just like restaurant stuff. So wicked good. Yeah. yeah. And you know, I want, I want them to try something to say, right. I, I could easily, easily from what I have on my, on my computer, I could put together and, you know, rehash stuff and rework stuff. I could do that mm-hmm. and, and fine, but that's not, I don't, I have no interest in that. I, I like the challenge, you know, I, this business I'm in right now, this growing, this business, we want to get to 10. Mm-hmm. I was talking to my buddy about it and he was kind of asking me, well, why am I doing it? And I'm like, well, there's, there's the money thing, which is fine, but that's sure. I'm not money. I'm not money motivated. I obviously want to be paid like everybody does for their time. I'm doing it because I love growing things and I love the challenges. I love, you know, helping people. Like we, we get to like, we are, we're growing our teams. We get to see people, you know, grow within their jobs. And it's so neat to do. It's fun. And, and that's why I do it. So for me, it's like, I like to kind of build things and, and right. take on challenges. One of the things that I admire most about you is that there's not anything that you're doing that does not have some type of charitable component to it. Yes. You, you believe strongly in, in community mission. And, you know, you and I were connected through Share Our Strength a long time ago. And, but yet you still endure you, that you think that that's an essential part of doing business. Yeah. It's, it's, yes. I think community is really important. 
The one thing that I'm really kind of trying to push now is so we get an unbelievable, probably one a day at least, of a charitable request through our oh, website. Sure. Yep. And you know, we don't we don't really have we're trying to figure out how to deal with it, but generally it's it's a yes if it's local. When people are writing us from California, it's probably a no. But you know, we're just trying to figure out how to be a better, make a better part of the community and make a make a make an impression. But what I want people to know about this is, what we tell them is, we'll give you a gift card. We have no problem. Here's for your auction. Here you go. But within the next year, we need you to dine with us personally. Ah, uh, uh. and, and and because we want the circle to be complete. Right. Right. I I do this thing called Taste of Ginger. Right. I believe it's called Taste of Ginger, and it's for diabetes. And this gentleman, or doctor, Dr. King, he runs this this organization. And he, every year, comes into one of my restaurants and always makes sure that I know that he was there. Asks for me, if not, leaves me a note, you know. And, and he just says, hey, thanks for supporting us. And I often think there's this disconnect. I don't know if you've ever dealt with any boards that do charities. But I look at these boards, and I'm on a couple, and I'm like, when was the last time you were in, in my restaurant or one of these restaurants – Right. And in fact, you know these people because you get them to go do stuff. Why don't you give them a call and send your neighbor there? They would love right. to have it. And they would take yep. and they'd make them look great, you know? Yeah. Like so I love that I, I want that circle of community to really happen. Yeah, the reciprocity, man. Like absolutely, I totally get it. And it's not like you're asking for the moon. I mean, just come in and have dinner. Yeah. <laughs> get some stuff comped anyway, but you know, just come in. Yeah, you know, and tell your neighbor, right? Exactly. <laughs> How how busy are you on social media? Are you Not guys doing that busy? My personal one, you know, I, I do some Instagram stuff. Sure, I'd love to do more, but I'm just not that focused. You know, I'm, maybe because I'm old, but like I see the traffic that goes to our website, and yep. it's only about say six percent comes from social media. from our from our social media. Yep. That doesn't mean that more aren't like going to our website than going and stuff. And, you know, we have 15,000 followers there. I have like seven, 6,000. You know, I put, put stuff up that interests me and the stuff that I'm interested in. But I'm not crazy about it. I think my time is better served, you know, working for my teams and, and working for my family, doing those things. You know, I think that's my time's better that way. Yeah. And I was, oh, you know, not surprised, but a little taken aback, you know, that you got a Wikipedia page. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so to get back to team building so restaurant three every you're losing money across the board you decide that you have to pivot and change some of your executive leadership uh, yeah. to folks who are more more skilled with multi-unit but you also said leadership so i'm just curious like how does that relate now do you have what specific training plans do you have in the units to maybe take a junior manager and actually train them up to become a general manager of the next door well, I can even start even below junior managers. We uh, just started English as a second language classes. Yay. So we are now having that complimentary to our team members, depending on your level, whatever you yep. want to do. And so we're very excited about that because we rather, we much rather hire from within whenever possible. So sure. from within. Where are you kind of your first restaurant, first, second restaurant you're going to work at? Mm -hmm. uh, English is not necessary, not in the kitchen. Uh, our a director of barbecue ops, you would call him culinary director. We call him uh -huh. Dobo, director of barbecue ops. He's uh, trilingual, Portuguese, right. uh, Spanish, English. So, you know, we don't, you can speak any language. It doesn't matter to us. We can, you know, as long as you can know what eight ounces look like, we're good. So, you know, we really try to build from within. And then we have, you know, junior managers and managers. We're continually working with them to build them to become 
to grow. And as we grow, you know, they get to move on to different levels. Right now, though, we're actually in a whole process of reorg. We just opened our sixth unit, and I was told this was ha- would happen. By the way, I got told that at three units, problems would happen, and I thought, of course, not me. Right, um, exactly. And then I got told at unit six, seven, it happens. I'm like, no, not me. They did. You know, we have a problem that we're looking at and we're working on is kind of like who owns what. And we opened a restaurant, and I felt the opening wasn't – it was a little clunky, and right. we needed a little bit more focus in some areas. And so now we're looking at our org chart and working – we have these awesome HR uh, partners, and we're mm-hmm. working with them mm-hmm. to really kind of get it get it right. So everybody kind of understands their roles and who they report to and what we expect of them and their expectations. I, I think that's probably the – no, I think, for, I think for businesses in general, but I'll talk about restaurants. One – Meeting the customer's expectation. So brand and whatever your brand is, you know, and you really need to meet the expect their expectation. If you do not, you're going to get dinged, right? Yep. And then the same thing for the for the team members is is they're aware of their expectations or what we expect from them, and, right. and therefore they can you know work within the system, right? You don't ever mm-hmm. want to surprise mm-hmm. them and they're like, I didn't know I was supposed to do that. That's right. <laughs> you, you know. Right. You know. So, you know, we don't want someone to say that's not my job, but we don't want them to say that because we, they're not team players. We don't want them to say it because they didn't know. Right. Right? Right. You know, I mean, yeah, argumentally, taking out the garbage at the end of the night is not the waiter's job. So if they said that's not my job, I'm like, yeah, I, I get that, but let's just do it. Right? Right. But if, if it was like, you know, whatever, taking an order from Table 22, well, that is your job. Right? So, like, I'm just hypothetically talking here, you know. Sure. So I think managing expectations and managing expectations of your team members it's just as important. Have you felt pressured or motivated in any way since since the return of the customer after shutdown to be more aggressive as far as associate compensation or benefit packages? For our team members? Well, we do a 3% kitchen fee, which is mm-hmm. really great. Probably one out of a thousand people ding us on that. They don't like it. Try to explain to them why it is good. It's a funny conversation because they're like, well, why don't you just, why don't you, why do I have to pay them? Why don't you? I'm like, well, just so you know, right. you pay, you pay them no matter what, right? Either way, right. you know, it's just but, explicit but I, now. But I get it. I get it though, because, you know, we all hate more fees. We all hate these more right. fees. And so I get it. And, you know, I try to explain to them like, listen, if I did, if I, I'd have to raise my prices by 10% for them to get the 3% and it's just confusing, sure. but, but we do things like that. You know, as far as benefits, I mean, we're we're pretty good with our. We have good. I think we have good packages for our uh, management teams. Right. And in Massachusetts, everybody gets health insurance, so that's part of it. We have to Great. pay fifty percent of everyone's health insurance, so you get that, which is nice. And you know, we bonus out our managers. You know, they're based on uh, our general managers and, and and kitchen managers based on you know certain metrics. But um, no, I don't. I don't feel. We pay well. Our, uh, just, just to put it in perspective, okay. our average cook, I think, makes $22 an hour, and our average waiter is making $32 an hour. Awesome. So, awesome. You know, yeah, we're a barbecue joint, but they're doing all right, you know? <laughs> so, you know, and the way we see them, you know, we're compassionate, we're empathetic, we're there for them, you know, and... You know, the reason we know it's well is we they they they, they kind of give us they they refer their friends to us. And we know that that is, you know, it's working, right? You're right. Got it. And for you personally, what are your hopes for the future? 
Great question. What are my hopes for the future? Well, I want to continue growing this. Our goal is to get to 10. Why 10? I don't know. We just chose that number. That was what we chose when sure. we originally were doing it. And, and kind of see what happens. You know, I want to keep, keep active, keep involved, watch my girls grow up. You know, I'm not one to sit around. I love adventures. So we'll right. see what happens. But yeah, that's it. You know, world peace would be nice. <laughs> and I was just curious because I remember you saying that, you know, you do a fair amount of running in the morning. Are you actually engaged in that as like your own kind of self-care, your self-nurture? Or are yeah, you so, able you know, to take time? The problem is, is you know, is that like I don't get a lot of free time, right? Right. So I'm either at work, driving home, or with my family. I don't really see my friends very often unless I go to a barbecue event or something or a football game. So that's my time in the morning. You know, I usually get up early so I can have coffee by myself, and then yeah, I run and I go to the gym. So those are the two. Those are what I do for myself. And I enjoy it. I, I, you know, I, I don't really think about self-care, but I guess that is what it is, right? <laughs> I just do what makes me happy. I do what I want right. to do, and it makes me happy. So, yeah, you know, and I, and I can feel it if I don't go running. I also like to cook. Like, so I, I usually need a day where I'm spending two, three hours in my own kitchen just cooking. It's my, it, that's my zen. That's like my, you know, my, my, just, it just calms me. I love it. So, you know, that's, that's kind of my, my, my stuff, but I think it's important, but I, you know, I love being my family, so I'm not going to, not going to not do that. Right. Uh, sure. So, so do you have North Carolina, do you have North Carolina on your list for, for any competitions? No, I was just down there though. I was in Knightsdale, a place mm-hmm. called Prime, Prime Barbecue, mm-hmm. Chris Pietro. He's actually coming up here in October for a guest chef, guest pitmaster. He's so talented. And so I like him a lot. So I was just down there, but no, we, we really compete locally. And then there's a couple bigger competitions that we like to go to. Well, what I'm trying to tell you is that the next time you're in the neighborhood, will you please let me know? Yes. <laughs> Cause I'll make the drive. I don't care. It's all yeah, good for definitely. me. Now. I wish I told you, cause I was down there a few months ago at, at prime barbecue and he, he does mm-hmm. a real good job. Well, brother, I thank you very much for this time. It's such a pleasure to reconnect. I know you're a busy guy, so I'm very grateful for the time. And I wish you continued success, good health. And uh, as as a father of two adult girls you know, <laughs> in their 30s, man, oh, man, what a joy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it almost drove me insanity when they were younger. But now it's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Well, I'm happy for you. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you, sir. That's it for this episode of Chef Life Radio. If you're ready to take your career to the next level, then sign up for a free discovery call and find out what's possible for you at cheflifecoaching.com forward slash discovery. And the link is in the show notes. Here at Chef Life Radio, we believe that working in a kitchen should be demanding. It just shouldn't have to be demeaning. It should be hard. It just doesn't have to be harsh. We believe that it's possible to have more solidarity and less suck it up sunshine, more compassion, less cutthroat island, We believe in more partnership and less put up or shut up, more family and less fuck you. Stand tall and frosty brothers and sisters, but consider for a moment for all the blood, sweat and effort you put into what you do at the end of the day, it's just some stuff on a plate. None of it really matters, doesn't define you as a person or make you any more special or less than anyone else. It's just a dance that we're engaged in, so we might as well laugh and enjoy every bit of it. Or didn't you know that the purpose of your life should be to enjoy it. I get half a apple.
love it. I am humble. Goddamn Rory Fox, I don't live on now. <laughs> Reach out to the show at facebook.com forward slash Chef Life Radio, Twitter at Chef Life Radio, Instagram at Chef Life Radio. Visit the website at chefliferadio.com. Subscribe to the podcast at any of the major podcast directories. Please take a moment and give us a thumbs up and write a review. It really does help spread the news. Thanks for listening. Until the next episode, be well and do good. This episode was produced by me, Adam Lamb. It was recorded in a basement bunker studio in Bardo, North Carolina. Co-produced by Thomas Stephenson of podlike.com. Chef Life Radio is a production of Realignment Media.